Hey, this is attorney Paul DeLauri with the Sudden Wealth Podcast, where we talk about how families and business owners can protect their assets and empower their children to be responsible stewards of their wealth. The co-host is Michael Zalno. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. So today we're talking to Cindy Arledge, who's the author of four best-selling books, The Curse of Inheritance, Cracking the Inheritance Code, The Legacy Family Way, and My Camino, My Life. And actually, Cindy, I, I wonder if I, I'm curious the most about the last one, but uh, let me just keep introducing Cindy here. So uh, Cindy teaches that legacy planning is the secret to keeping your wealth in the family. And she believes that the best way to help people is by working with them where they are uh, to discover and implement a plan to quickly impact their lives now and secure their family's long-term future. So lean forward and listen carefully because you're about to learn what you're about to learn could have a significant impact on your family's future success. Okay, hello, Cindy. Hey, thank you for having me here. It's so great to be with you. Oh, absolutely. And uh, good morning, Michael. Good morning. <laughs> so, uh, Cindy, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, how did you get involved in legacy planning? Well, that's a great question, Michael, and it's not one that I ever expected to do. Um, we were an entrepreneurial family, and my parents thought that they had done everything that they needed to do to have their estate plan settled. Um, we were a typical entrepreneur family that we knew we had some family dynamics, and, you know, my dad did try to prepare me for that, but um, unfortunately, my parents passed away within eight months of each other. And, you know, that's always a heartbreaking thing, but even more heartbreaking. And one I was an unprepared for was really the dissolution of our family. And um, sadly, some relationships almost two decades later stay broken. Uh, but what that did is it made me figure out what can I do differently for my children and my grandchildren. And that's when I discovered legacy planning and really have made it my passion and mission to help other families avoid the pain that we went through. You know, you mentioned the dissolution, just a quick follow-up. Um, in retrospect, do you think there's something that could have been done to help make that not happen? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I help other families do. It, I feel like that what we went through was preventable. Okay. So uh, spell it out. When you say dissolution, like what, what do you mean? Like just people not talking to each other? Like, Well, it was so bad that we uh, couldn't meet in the same room with all of us having our own attorneys present. We had an attorney for the estate. One brother had his attorney and I had my, my attorney. And that was the co-executors working together to settle the estate. Um, lawsuits were filed, um, you know, and, and fast forward 20 years later, almost 20 years later, entire branches of the family are cut off from each other. Oh, wow. So you still haven't resolved it? Not with, you know, it takes two to tango. And when one person decides that they're done, they're done. And, uh, but there's a gift in that as well, because for me, I'm the one that, you know, that brother's decided that, you know, I don't exist anymore. And the lesson that he's taught me though, is that I can still love someone who doesn't love me back. So there's a gift in that. Um, 
curiosity question, has that bled into the cousins? Absolutely. Uh, my, my children were not invited to the wedding. Um, and even sadly, one of my nieces passed away and we weren't even directly informed that our own niece had passed away. It's, it's a true tragedy for families to have to experience. How do you prevent it? Well, and so what's fascinating for me is that legacy planning has existed for a long time. It just doesn't have a name. And so that's why my mission and passion is to see this become a recognized industry that families can recognize that they need an attorney to do their estate planning. They need a CPA to do their tax planning. They need a wealth advisor to create their wealth and they need a legacy planner to prepare their family. So (laughs) I've been talking with people uh, without naming names. I've been talking with people and uh, I, I tend to go round in circles about this and uh, trying to explain what legacy planning is as opposed to doing a will or a trust. And they keep coming up with, well, what kind of a trust do you need? It, so, <laughs> so tell us what you mean by legacy planning. Well, and that's why I feel I'm different from anybody else that you're ever me, because most people in my industry I have found are an attorney that have bolted it onto their you know, their practice or a financial advisor that's bolted it onto their practice. And I see this as a true industry. Um, When I introduce myself to people, it's like, oftentimes I have to name what I'm not to get to what I am because it's such a new concept. But basically, if you think about it, a business never runs out of money because they have a perpetual way, a good business, a successful business never runs out of money. And they have systems and structures to keep the business running that are not dependent on a single person. And so what I discovered in my research is that the successful families that are able to maintain wealth for a hundred years or longer actually do similar practices that a business does. They have systems and structure and, and to understand what the true cause of wealth transfer failure is, is to be able to backtrack into a solution. So just a quick, you know, quick analysis of one of the problems is the wealth creator, my mom and dad, my dad made most of the decisions, but at times him and mom would make it together. Had he thought ahead and had access to legacy planning, he would have realized that he had four children that needed to form a partnership to keep the wealth intact. But instead, they relied strictly on legal documents that split everything up. And he did, you know, most people don't understand that if, you're, if your estate is big enough, you've brought in the IRS as your partner until they accept what, you, what they want to collect from you. And so for us, that was a two and a half year holding period. And so, you know, and, and most people don't understand that after the second person passes away in a state like my mom and dad's, the, the money that you owe the IRS is due within nine months, right? And, and then you wait around and hope that they accept your check. Well, for us, that was a $1.8 million check. And so we were stuck in a two and a half year holding period waiting to see if the IRS would accept it, which they did. And then we were able to settle the estate. So um, understanding that leaving four children and teaching them how to be a partnership to have managed that money and how to make decisions and how to protect it and grow it 
And then the, the critical piece, and this is where most families fail, is in the third generation, you've got to create a cousin consortium to teach them how to make decisions, teach them how to protect the money, teach them how to grow the money. Well, that's one of the things that we do with legacy planning is we work with the wealth creator and we plan that out now and then let them start practicing those skills while there's still time to adjust. I have a you know quick comment. Paul mentioned trust and you know what kind of trust do you need? I mean, my answer would be you need to trust each other. That's the kind of trust you need. Well, that is definitely a critical piece to that, Michael. And trust doesn't come naturally to families. And so we, we, I've got a quote on my website that families that play together stay together. And most people will maybe take the family on vacation, but not with the intention of building communication and trust because they're not having the intentional conversations. Lasting wealth doesn't happen by accident. And it's time to take our planning to a whole new level. And so that's, that's what I want to see families do. So what are the reasons that families lose money over generations? Well, Michael just mentioned one of them, and it's the lack of communication and trust. You know, um, I, I study a lot of brain science, you know, and again, I bring a different perspective to this legacy planning. I use cutting edge brain technology, um, psychology, and even we talk about spiritual, you know, we talk about because we are spiritual beings in a physical world. And so to ignore those aspects of our humanness is to, is to miss the boat on creating this solution, right? And so what's, what's fascinating um, that we've got different pieces of our brain that do different activities and when we lose somebody, oftentimes the family members that are left revert back to childhood and they go back to those roles that they played as children. And so you, you basically have infants who became orphans trying to settle the estate that have those stories like you were always dad's favorite and mom always gave the best to you. That's who's settling your estate right. unless you can build that communication and trust and have really a conflict resolution plan established before you need it. Um, the second aspect is that families think that they have a great culture, but they haven't actually written it out like a mission statement, like a business. And so you wouldn't think that you have to tell your children not to sue each other and get them to agree to it, but you really do. And so you have to build that culture of we over me. And then the third piece of it is actually to prepare heirs on how to be successful without the parents in their life. Because as human beings, we get a lot of who am I as a person is determined by how our parents have helped us perceive ourselves. And then when that is lost, a lot of adult children are, are rudderless of like, who am I now? So to prepare heirs in a tactical and a practical way too. Um, you know, I will tell you for my dad, he didn't follow his attorney's advice on, on setting up his trust because he had control issues. And so he warned me, he said, you know, I know I'm creating a big tax, you know, disadvantage for you. And I remember I'm the youngest, I've got three older brothers. And I remember thinking, well, this is your money, dad. And if you want to spend it, in paying taxes when you die, that's your right. You know, who was I to argue with that? What I failed to take into account is that I was going to have to co-sign the check and make sure it didn't bounce. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so he tried to prepare me. I just didn't understand. Oh, inter- <laughs> interesting. Um, you know, you bring up the point of preparation and education, and it seems that um, there's, I, I know that again, Paul mentioned talking to people, there's a certain amount of one, a need to educate people. By people, I'm not just talking about the families, but also the professionals they're working with. You know, and so that's something I see. So, well, and that's why I really am so thrilled Paul is doing what he's doing and helping spread the word. Because the more people that find out that this is an option, and it's really the option that changes everything. Um, I mean, you, you, you guys know we're in the largest wealth transfer that's ever occurred in the history of mankind. But then the other half of that sentence is, is that 70% of families implode like mine did on the first wealth transfer. So you've got all these young people going, yay, grandma, grandpa, or whoever's going to pass away. We got all this money coming, not recognizing that it could actually be the economic crisis that could destroy their family. Right. I, I tell the story and I, I, I think I've told this on other episodes, but what the heck. Um, when people talk about the difference between legacy planning and estate planning, uh, I give my egg analogy. And imagine that you want to get a dozen eggs. So you drive to the grocery store, you put the dozen eggs in the cart, uh, you, you check out, you put them all in the flimsy plastic bag, uh, you carry the flimsy plastic bag to the car, everything's perfect, everything's fine, you drive home, eggs, eggs are still safe, they don't break, uh, you, you get the flimsy plastic bag out of the car, and just as you start to enter the house, or actually just as you get into the house, the bag breaks and all the eggs crack. Mm-hmm. From an estate plan standpoint, that's considered like the gold standard. You just did it, you passed the wealth to the next generation. However, you don't have the eggs. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of how I explain people. And I, I don't know, it, it, sometimes it sticks or sometimes <laughs> they, they kind of- Well, and my analogy is like learning to drive, right? Okay. So just because you have a driver's license doesn't make you a good driver, right? Right, that takes experience. And so I, I kind of feel that the state plan and the will, you need all that legal structure. You absolutely, it's critical for protecting your wealth and your family. And yet, because they never learned how to drive, yep. they're running into things and having crashes where legacy planning. So I, I'll just share my family is in our eighth year of legacy planning. Okay. And we're a blended family. I have three daughters uh, that range between 36 and 38, just because that's, you know, the way they, they landed. And then we have five grandchildren. And it took us a while because we are a blended family to recognize that my stepdaughter doesn't want to be in business permanently with my children because we're heavy into real estate. And so rather than stay on the estate plan that we had, that would have had them and all their descendants being in business together, Mm. we had the adult conversation and said, hey, do you guys want us to split this up where you can go your separate ways? It's not about trying to write somebody out of a will. It's about recognizing the reality of the relationships and the strength of those relationships and saying, hey, this isn't going to work. And we're just going to make you miserable if we tie you together forever. And so that's the gift of legacy planning. Um, It's kind of an etiquette. Like, like it's just being nice to the next generation. 
not leaving a mess. Exactly. It is. And I don't know, there's a, there's a death etiquette. A friend of mine, John Braddock, who's the CEO of My Life and Wishes, wrote a book and he talks about death etiquette. And um, it, it, there is a death etiquette of, of not leaving behind a mess for sure. Sure. Um, I think you mentioned in uh, previous uh, communication, something about family harmony, creating wealth. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. There's all different kinds of capital account. You've heard about spiritual capital, intellectual capital, financial capital. Well, one of the things that I've come to realize is that there's a family capital and it's the wealth that you create through the family getting along. Mm -hmm. And I can give you an example of that in our family, right? We spend a hundred thousand dollars on attorney's fees to sit in the same room for a year. There were additional attorney fees because of the lawsuit, there was, if, if we had had more family harmony, I felt like my dad would have been able to fund the trust instead of, you know, feeling like he was going to lose control. We, we could have possibly saved $1.8 million in taxes. So the interesting thing about family capital and this wealth that you create, you really can't measure it till you lose it. Right. Right. And so what's, what we get families to do is we actually have them invest in the family harmony while you're alive. And the ROI may never be able to be determined because how would you know what you saved? You know, it, it, it's just an interesting concept. And so, you know, for us, our family harmony, my husband and I invest 10 to $15,000 a year on annual trips with our family and family meetings. And we meet on a regular basis, but, you know, let's say, you know, 10 years from now, that's $150,000. I'd spend $150,000 to save 1.8 million any day. For sure. Right. For sure. And so there is a, there's actually wealth that you create by having that culture of we over me, but again, it doesn't happen by accident. That's well said. What are, Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, you mentioned the 1.8 million in taxes, but look at all the attorney fees you and your siblings wound up spending. So we may be talking even more. And then there's the, the psychological cost of getting into those battles. So that, well, and wealth is more than money. And so to your point, Michael, the wealth that we lost by having entire branches of our tree cut off, like my, my brothers never met any of my grandkids. You know, and so it's more than money um, that this harmony creates true wealth and, and, and goes even further into like, I would even say well-being. Yeah. I have another question. What are crucial conversations that adult children can initiate with their parents to protect their future? Well, one of the interesting things uh, that I've discovered in, in the legacy planning that I do with families Anytime you make your children be in a guessing game about what your wishes would be, you've left them in a position of being in, in opposition or having a discord. So a great example um, is that uh, it happened to a friend of mine. He went in for a simple surgery and things didn't go well and ended up with, I think they call it emergency room psychosis and woke up in a different decade. And so his adult children were guessing and making life and death decisions for dad 
while he had a live-in common law girlfriend who claimed to have financial power of attorney. And so the, and, and dad couldn't remember what passwords, nobody could pay the bills. It cost him an extra $80,000. And that goes back to that wealth, right? So the crucial conversation that an adult can have is to realize that if your parents are still alive and you don't know what their last wishes are, you're going to be left guessing and may, no, people may not agree. And then, you know, do they have a will? Who's going to take care of the dog? Where are their passwords? There's so many crucial conversations that as a society, we are uncomfortable in having, right? We, I, you know, I can, I do a little stand-up comedy to keep my speaking skills current. It's like, if you want me to clear a room, I can do it like that. Cause we're going to talk about aging, death and money. Right. Sure. So, so, and even my ex-husband a couple of years ago had a stroke and I watched my two daughters with five babies trying to take care of their father, make medical decisions for her, him, take care of a herd of cattle in a different state in his business. And, and it's, it's, if your adult children, your parents are alive, they could tank your financial plan if they don't have enough wealth or haven't decided what their quality of life could be. So there's a, a massive conversations that we aren't having that are all crucial. Well, so Cindy, if people want to find out more about you, where, where do you want them to go? Well, the easiest way is just to go to cindyarledge.com. That's kind of like my portal um, and it it gives some information. Great. Yeah. And we'll have a link to that in the, in the show notes here. So we're going to start something new with our podcast and we're going to have a question of the week for people. And the question is, speaking of clearing the room, (laughs) the question is what crucial conversation with your parents or your adult children have you been putting off? And what has stopped you from starting that conversation? So what, what you can do is go to the show notes and we'll have instructions for where you go. There's actually, there's going to be a, a link to um, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, a Twitter account, and, and you can enter your um, answer, your response. So again, the question, what crucial conversation with your parents or adult children have you been putting off? And why have you not been having that conversation? Um, so I guess that does it for this episode of the Sudden Wealth Podcast, where um, families and business owners learn how to protect their assets and empower their children to be responsible stewards of their wealth. For now, all good wishes and take care of everyone. Thank you, Paul and Michael. You're welcome. That was a good show. That was really good.